you don't have to go this alone. A lot of this stuff isn't rocket science. There's just a lot to it. From Ray and Associates Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. On this weekly podcast, thought leaders and business professionals break down complicated and mundane topics and give you the tips and insight you actually need to grow as a leader while helping your organization to grow and thrive. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. And if you want access to even more information, show notes, and exclusive content, visit our website at www.raycpa.com podcast and sign up for updates. States are under pressure and looking for businesses to help bridge the gap. Increased expenses, decreased revenue, and minimal support are a few things that they are battling with. Today, Joe Pop, Principal and Director of Salt Services, is here to give insight on state revenues and departments, tips so that you can help preserve state businesses, and what you can do to not be at risk. Welcome to Unsuitable again, Joe. I think you are at the record for guest appearances now. Um, we always have this battle between you and Axine, so I, I think you certainly have one-upped him now. Nice. So congratulations. Well, thanks, Doug. It's glad to be back on the podcast. Great to have you as always. So talk about, you know, state local taxes doesn't always sound so interesting to everybody, but I, for one, in, in today's environment, State and local uh, governments obviously are under so much pressure because of a decrease in revenues. Um, what what have we seen with the, the impact of COVID over the, just the last six months in, in that Fair question. You know, I think everybody hears in the news a lot about the stimulus activity that the states are doing. And so if you, you think about state and local tax, you, you hear about extended due dates and you can pay later and and different states have some funky programs that are they're, they're trying to help businesses with cash flow and things like that. And those are, if you like, phase one of this whole thing. And we're going to get to what phase two might look like in a minute. That, that has definitely been there. You know, when you look at state revenues, and if you haven't stopped to think about this, and if you're not in, like you're, you're in the business world, but you don't really deal with this, you might not have thought about it a whole lot. Transactional tax is the is the is the canary in the coal mine. That's that hits state government like immediately because those are monthly filings. And so what you have is this interesting kind of mix between big tech is going crazy and they're making lots of money and sales have increased and they've picked up, and then the bottom has dropped out to nothing on some retail and some hospitality work and in certain places construction. You know we've gotten put on hold and all of that. And all of that is transactional tax. And so that's been the major impact to state revenues since the thing began sort of February, March, is a decline in transactional tax revenue. It's been helped out a little bit with state um, and mostly the, the federal stimulus. So if you think about it, if you've heard in the news of, hey, these stimulus checks, people get them and then they go and they buy stuff. And sometimes people make a little more than maybe what they would have made before. And so they go buy more stuff. And so you have these really strong trends that are opposing the downward you know, trend on spending. 
which is the big tech just going crazy and then people having a little bit more money in their pocket through the stimulus. It's only recently that some of those things have just petered out and now we're sort of in a more normal space where the, the floor, the protection, the net has, has fallen away and now we can, we can fall. Some of those states become, uh, you know, a little bit more impacted on sales and use tax. That's transactional tax. The thing to come is income right. tax, right? That is, it's an annual thing. It's not coming until, you know, April or later, you know, most times for businesses. And so on the state and local tax side of things, like they know that that's going to take a dive and they're mostly on a couple of year budgets. So like they've already committed yeah. to the money that they're, and they don't have the revenue that is going to come in next year. So they, they know it's a problem, but so far it's been okay. The main thing that states have been dealing with is the increased spending on the COVID mm-hmm. response. It, the revenue hasn't necessarily gone, you know, because of those things we just mentioned, but the spending. Is yeah. And that's a huge challenge, obviously, because unlike the federal government, the state and local uh, governments all have balanced budget amendments by and large, right? So they don't have a choice. They can't deficit spend uh, in, in perpetuity like like we can yeah. at the federal level. Yeah, the, the feds, like, honestly, I, I don't know. We don't have to go into any kind of politics at all. Right. None, zero. But what I'll say is the feds yes. can print money. They can print money. Like if we're looking at, hey, you know, should we give bailout money to the states like to help them out? We'll get to it. But the feds can create the money and give it to them. The states can't. They either have to cut spending or they have to increase right. revenue through taxpayers. So, you know, the impact of the, the feds not coming in to help the states a little bit, we talk about that more, is that benefits are going to get cut. Expending is going to get cut. Projects are going to be put on hold. Or yeah, and and you know it's it, unfortunately it's gotten a bit political even uh, across uh, you know helping certain states or municipalities and say well that's you know this side or that side so I'm not going to help them kind of a thing instead of looking at us all as as uh, under the same umbrella which I, I certainly believe we are. But that said, we each state right Joe has very different uh, tax revenue sources. I mean, you look at say a state like Florida, no no income tax per se, no personal income tax, but they were by very heavily on real estate taxes, um, sales taxes, other things like that uh, versus say Ohio, we have a commercial activity tax here, you know, a much different structure. So talk about what maybe COVID might be doing to the uh, affect different states in a, in a disparate fashion like that. And how does Ohio fit in? Yeah. So, you know, just as Ohio's example, we're sitting in Ohio, so we know a little bit, you know, we, we keep more on, on top of Ohio, maybe in, in active memory, short-term memory, right? So Ohio, between 50 and 60% of state revenue, gross revenue, is transactional tax, sales and use tax. And so personal income tax is like this much, and CAT really is like maybe that much. The, the, they are blown away by transactional taxes. and so. What that means is that Ohio is very dependent on online retailers doing what they need to do in terms of collecting tax, and it's a big deal in the state of Ohio. So just as an example, you know, that's, that's one. Um, what a lot of states were thinking about doing prior to this whole thing, just as part of their normal process, was adding gross receipts taxes. 
And so this is, you know, to preview a little bit of phase two, this is something that a lot of people in the community are a little worried about because a lot of states, I think it was seven or so the last time that I checked, were thinking about implementing a gross receipts tax, like Ohio's commercial activity tax. And, um, you know, from a sort of, let me put my tax nerd hat on for a moment, A gross receipts tax is generally not like a good tax because it can be taxed, the same item can be taxed multiple times, you know, throughout the whole process. So someone makes a mask, they sell the mask to a reseller, the reseller sells it to another reseller, the reseller sells it to you. At every level, there's cat. Sales tax, it's just once. It's at the very end of the so it's not really a tax uh, because it has that business on business kind of um, component to it. It's not like a good tax, but it is very easy to implement. You just need sales by state. You sort of know if you've got somebody. And tax rate is for the most part, just straight up. What's your sales? And then no deductions. Here's your tax. So you got you know, Ohio's cat, Washington's, you know, Texas's margins tax or franchise tax that are all sort of big examples. Um, Oregon, I think, just, just created one as well. Delaware has one, Nevada. Um, and there's a bunch of other ones that are considering it. So that's sort of an interesting picture to your point of like the mix of state taxes. I think what states are kind of recognizing is, hey, um, income taxes is kind of bad because if there's no income, then we right. don't get any of this money. Is better because it's based on transaction, but we have goodness so many different exemptions. Gross receipts taxes is sort of a pure. If there's this much of this amount of economic activity, we're going to get this tax. Period. Doesn't matter if they're profitable. Doesn't you know all of these other things. And so it's kind of a backstop. Um, it's it's seen as a cool sort of yeah, next level. very interesting. So, what about you know you talked about transactional tax and and that being kind of the bulk of the uh, the, certainly the revenue source uh, in Ohio. Are we seeing, I know at least in construction and in, in my space we have, are we seeing across uh, all industries more um, enforcement and, and audits on, on that side of things over the, the past few years? Yeah, I mean, it's, we're in the spot now where everyone went home, right? All the state tax workers, unfortunately, tax workers, not essential. They all went home, uh, you know, in most states. At the, at the government level anyway. So they all went home. A lot of things got put on hold. You know, the one to, the kind of watch for is the discovery departments. Ones that go out and find the taxpayers that haven't been paying. And then they bring this. That's where all your, most of your audit activity happens. And then you've got, you know, people that are currently filing and paying and you get selected from audit. Uh, what I'll say, uh, just... Um, you know, in terms of what we've seen, we just have a small slice. We have seen an increase in audit activity from Ohio a little bit. But um, more than that, I think we have seen a lot more aggression from um, some of our neighboring states. Illinois, particularly aggressive in going after um, things. Uh, I just got our first New York City audit for one of our taxpayers. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of people with activity in New York City, but we do have some. And so to see that is sort of like, wow, okay, so they're getting started. They're ramping stuff up. The other impact I'd say is uh, the, to the extent that people were a little more flexible and forgiving on penalty abatements and other things that taxpayers may you know, have screwed something up or they paid late or whatever. In the past, there's been a lot more leniency and flexibility. We've seen that get a lot more brittle and rigid and sorry and um, 
you know, it, it's a, do we, do we pay a part, a portion of a teacher's salary or a fireman's salary, or do we give you a penalty of maintenance? So it's kind of hard. Um, yeah, to get to that absolutely. Well, what about, I know the, the Wayfair case, which was a, a big deal a few years ago uh, about establishing economic nexus in, in uh, various locales, any, any updates there or, um, you know, particular areas of emphasis from your perspective that uh, businesses should be focused on? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that has happened, I will say, in that space is we've had a lot of people who are selling to exempt mm. people. Manufacturers, they're selling to resellers and things of that nature. And where we've seen a lot of impact recently in that Space is people that traditionally, like you have online retailers that have been doing business collecting tax ever. Okay, like those have got some issues to work through. But the sort of the next wave of this is those folks that are selling to what they think is completely exempt clients. And what we've seen when we get in there is whenever you're doing one of these exemption uh, certificate collection campaigns, you call a bunch of people, email them, etc. You never get 100%. It's somewhere we've found in the 85 to 95% you get back. And that's in a situation where you have uh, 100% of our people are tax exempt when we sell stuff to them. And when you go and you say, well, is that material for you? 5 to 15% of top line sales, uh, you know, with no exemption. And most people would say, yeah. yes, kind of, yes. That's sort of the space that we're in right now to try and really rev that up. Can you get the 85 to 95? Can you get the 95 to 99? And then what do you do about that other exposure? Because again, the states are hungry for money. This is an easy one for them to come after. And if you can't produce the documentation, then even though it might be exempt, they're going to ding you for the whole thing anyway. We've been playing a lot in that space right now, trying to get people protected sort of ahead of time. I think we've gone, we haven't gone through all of them, but a lot of the people that are just online salespeople to end users, they sort of know the jig is up and they're either, you know, uh, accepting the risk and moving on or you know, they're trying to go through the process. Of, you got to get software, got to get your system ready, you got to register in all these places, you got to start the filing, you know, it's, oh, yeah. it's an undertaking. So in, in, in the space that I'm familiar with, certainly construction and, and we see this certainly with other segments too, manufacturing, you talked about the exemption certificates and, and all that. So, what are some of the, the things that you and your group advise to, to protect yourself from that, whatever it is, 5 to 15% that, that you, uh, you know, really can't document? So, you know, on that, one of the things is to have a really strong control on your transactional tax. If you, if you don't have it set up going backwards, okay. But like on the front end, anytime you get a new client, say, listen, I need this document from you or I got to charge you tax. It's pretty easy. You know, they're a new client. You're just sending them stuff. That's a real easy one to start getting in the habit of. Which state is it? Sometimes is is difficult. You know, if you have different shipment terms and people are picking stuff up in different places and drop ships, that does get a little complex. But in general, you know, you need a form if you don't want to charge someone tax on on a sale for the most part. Um, So that is something we're doing. The other thing we're doing is you know, it's not all doom and gloom, you know, on transactional tax. Some of this is you have competitive advantage that you can gain if you're paying attention to this vis-a-vis like in the construction world. 
if you have someone who's doing an exempt building for somebody or partially exempt, like a manufacturer, mm-hmm. not the whole building, but some exempt, what we found is a lot of times construction contractors are bidding on the whole building as if it was just a building and not a manufacturing facility. Well, as a competitive advantage, if you know those pieces, you can go to you know your sub, your materials vendor, or whoever, and say, listen, this is for an exempt project. And on this portion of concrete, whatever, I don't have to pay you tax. They don't have to pay you tax. No one pays tax because we have an exemption that we can hide behind, that we can, that we can utilize. But it's only going to be there if you've done that review and really understand, like, if you're doing a manufacturing facility or you're doing an agriculture structure, things that have partial exemptions, not full exemption, but partial exemptions, what can we do to help you when you're doing your bid? We can go down your list and say, okay, this one, yeah, you got to pay tax. This one, you got to charge them tax, but they have to give you a certificate. And this one, hey, this one doesn't pay tax. This wasn't the... And if you haven't done that kind of process, then you're either way overcharging somebody or you're way undercharging. You're not paying you know, the appropriate tax and you're yeah. creating risk groups. There's a lot of different things that we're trying to do to help people out. Well, and again, that's, you know, it goes to uh, right there, just being in, in touch with, uh, you know, you and, and, and your group and understanding where there's potential for you to, uh, you know, either reduce risk, mitigate risk, or take advantage of, of your situation, as you said. And, the worst thing we always see people do is try to try to go it alone, and and uh, you know you you miss out. the 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 best businesses always have these processes and procedures in place, or at constantly looking at their processes and procedures to to improve. And this goes, you know, we can talk about the the next thing. It always comes to mind, Joe, when when we sit down is, you know, if you don't have these things in place or haven't assessed this risk, what about business transferability. We see this a lot with a lot of, you know, succession and, and, and stuff like that. Where have you seen, uh, seen this come into play in terms of, of risk assessment at that time? So it's a, it's a great, it's a great time. I'll say that, um, you know, to, to look at this kind of thing, when we often get involved is mm-hmm. when there's trouble, something has happened and they're like, Oh my goodness, what other controls don't we have? Right. And we, we come in and we talk, we talk to them and we look at stuff. New CFO, new you know financial people. It's a good time to do that. And then the other time is the one you just mentioned, which is the succession and, and the transfer of the business to the new generation, or you're selling it, or, or the like. And you know, a few super quick issues. Like we do a whole podcast on that. Um, but most of the time, for most you know, right. So uh, most of the time, uh, these taxes at the state and local level transfer with the business. Even if you're doing an asset sale, like structurally, if you're trying to do this for a federal purpose to maybe get around some things, at the state level, most of those liabilities, they transfer right on. So there's no structural way of getting rid of them. And so one of the things that we do in this sort of space is to figure out, hey, you know, five, 10 years ago, it would have been cool if you got these, uh, you know, these controls in place. Hey, what can we do right now? You're a year out, you're six months out, you're a month out, you know, from doing these transactions. What could we do right now? And the game typically is can we take a reserve account and move it way down so you get access to the cash? Can we take the liability instead of it being like seven years? Can we move it to three years that you're paying? And the other thing I think that people don't realize sometimes is uh, EBITDA 
which is a valuation that I'm not going to go into in any great detail, but generally, you know, you have right. a multiple of that. And that's something about the value of your business. Income taxes come out, are not counted in that, but sales taxes are, right? And so if you have problems, not only are you out that money, but on that valuation, you might be out yeah. a multiple of that money. A bad place to be. So, you know, there's a lot to do in that sort of space. And it's never too late, you know, even if it's your past sale or you're about to be past sale, we or some other accounting firm can come in and try and contain the risk. That's a great time because you see an immediate cash benefit to that where, you know, if it's proactive, that's a great thing for future and you're setting yourself up in a good spot, but it's not like you see it immediately. Here's the cash money return. I can see. It. Yeah, no, that's, that's very important. And certainly uh, will be going forward too, as we continue to see, uh, M&A activity and, and, you know, there's so many businesses that are, are, are going to transition as, as boomers age out. And we've, we've seen that trend, uh, no doubt. So, well, lots to, lots to keep up on, Joe. That's why we have you on frequently. And some of this really, to be honest, scares the hell out of me. So, uh, we should, we should, uh, we should have you on, you know, right. I know this episode's going to air close to Halloween. That's probably appropriate. <laughs> Hey, there you go. Spooky. I like it. Well, and I will, I will like, and we've done this in the past, like going into another state to do business is sometimes like walking through a spooky woods and the auditors are the ones that are in the woods to jump out at you, not the werewolves, but you don't have to go this alone. A lot of this stuff isn't rocket science. There's just a lot to it. And in terms of the controls, like if you don't have controls set up, and when I say controls, I mean, written documents or plans or how you're going to deal with this or a role this person is going to do in terms of making sure when an invoice comes in, does it does it have tax on it? Should it? it? It does have charge. It does have tax on it. Should it? Do we get a refund? Should we get a refund? Like there's there's good and bad uh, refund and exposure through this whole thing. And if you don't have the control in place, you're just kind of walking through the woods, right. kind of flashlight, and it's scary. But you know, with a flashlight. That's cool. You know, that's cool werewolf over there. Cool vampire. It's nice. You know, sparkly vampires. Are yeah, as long as you stay on the path, right? You know, that's why you and your that's team, right. uh, they, they do great work and great research. I know um, you and, and several of the folks have been just uh, wonderful help to our clients and uh, specifically several client situations that, that I've been involved with. So always, always check with Joe. He is an attorney. So that's, that's just good you know, general, general advice. Keeping up with the skin. Yes, I, like it. I, you know, I do. Yeah. Well, thanks, Joe. Uh, appreciate you being on as always and uh, look forward to, to having you on again as, as this topic always continues to be uh, and should be, you know, top of mind and, and continues to evolve, obviously. So uh, legislatively, who knows what we're in for, right? <laughs> Well, right. You know, I'll leave you with that sort of phase two, you know, to uh, teaser, I suppose. The phase one is all the stimulus stuff. The phase two is yeah. how the heck do we pay for it? And that's where we get the cat. Maybe we get, you know, a reduction in sales tax exemptions, you know, that can be done. These are things that are on the horizon to think about at the time that you're listening to this podcast. Who knows what will have happened, you know, since we recorded it. Um, just pay attention to that stuff. Like it can come up. Probably not before the election because people are busy, you know, with all of those things. But after the election, there's going to be some changes and who knows what they're going to be. Um, but some revenue raisers are, are likely in the future. For sure. Yeah. 
Uh, I agree completely. Well, that's uh, that's certainly sage advice. And uh, and thanks again, Joe. And uh, if you want more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.raycpa.com slash podcast. And while you're there, sign up for exclusive content and show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to Unsuitable on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us right now, including YouTube. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another Unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance. 